Hello, welcome to the Divergent Isle podcast. My name is Zachary Fellows, and this is my co-host, Beverly Dominguez. Today we are doing something a little bit different. This is be a more conversational podcast on what we've experienced in the recruiting selection process. Uh, Beverly's going to lead us through this to be more conversational. Uh, so Beverly, take it away. Thank you, Zach. So we hope that you guys are doing well. Um, in today's episode, episode seven, we're going to be talking about recruitment and selection and how recruitment and selection is basically like dating. So how many of you guys have felt that you you are dating your recruiter for a certain position that you applied for? And um so Zach and I, as we were talking about our, you know, because both of us are applying for jobs right now, and um, and we've done a lot of interviews, we've talked to a lot of recruiters, we have had multiple conversations, multiple interviews, and um, and then at times, um, you know, we just stop hearing from a recruiter, right, Zach? And it's yes, and exactly. It's, <laughs> it's definitely very, you know, it sucks. It does suck, and it's very. Um, disappointing and just like upsetting just because some of these some of these uh interview process have lasted either multiple weeks or even months um so i we just we felt really passionate and led to you know talk about this topic and just share our experiences and other people's experiences of how they uh, how they feel that recruiting and selection is kind of like dating so let's get started. Okay, so the reason why we're doing this topic today is because as Zach and I had conversations about how we um, have been doing interviews and how we have been talking to different recruiters and, you know, just uh, we're, we've just been part of the interviewing process throughout these uh, few months because um, both, we're both looking for jobs right now. So we're definitely in this, um, it, this topic is really relevant to us and we think it's really relevant to a lot of people that we have talked to as well. So um, we, we basically um, came up with this idea of how recruitment and selection is kind of like dating. And as we, you know, did our research, we actually found different articles that spoke about this topic and how they were frustrated as well and how they saw their recruiter as a partner that they were dating and how sometimes they would be left ghosted by them or how sometimes it would be quote unquote played by a recruiter. So it's very interesting. It's a very, um, you know, it's, it's kind of a funny topic, you know, because we're connecting it to dating and, um, we just want to make it, um, really relevant and engaging and just, um, entertaining, I guess, you know, for you guys to be able to see if this is relevant to your life. So um, let's get started. Okay, so a big thing that basically helped us out with this episode is, so like I mentioned earlier, Zach and I um, were talking about this topic, but as we were doing our research, we actually found this really good website um, of a team called Russell Tobin, and um, they're a a minority-owned professional recruitment and staffing firm, and it basically assists clients with direct hire or contract work. And um, they're the ones that actually created this article, which is funny because they are a hiring or a, um, a recruiting agency. So they're basically looking for jobs for, for people. And um, this recruiting agency uh, 
they gave 10 points of or 10 reasons why recruitment is like dating. So we really want to touch upon these 10 points and um, and we're going to be comparing them of how the candidate feels and how the recruiter feels. So we really want to give you both perspectives so it can be fair. So it's not just us trying to you know, bash on these recruiters, but also we want to be able to give both perspectives on, on how we feel as candidates and how they feel as recruiters or how they're basically managing this whole interview process. So, um, yeah, so let's get started with that. So the first one is the not so blind date. So let me just let me just ask you real quick, Zach, just so we can be a little bit more engagement in this um, in this episode. Um, what is do you, have you ever been on a blind date? Uh, not for a while, but yes, <laughs> I was. It was always a weird thing, kind of being up with someone you really never talked to or a friend of a friend. Yeah. So it's a different process. <laughs> so blind dates are sometimes uncomfortable. Yeah, so blind dates are uncomfortable just because, you know, maybe you, let's say you met this person through a mutual friend. Maybe you met this person through a, let's say, an, 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 an online app or you met them just, you know, if somebody just told you about them or whatever it is and you're meeting up with them and you only know a little bit of what they told you, right? Mm-hmm. And, um, and then you meet them, and then maybe it's not who they really are. Uh, another term for this can also be, like, a catfishing. And um, and uh, so when you're talking to a recruiter, a recruiter basically only sees what's on a resume, right? Or what's on the cover letter. And, um, and you're expressing the, yourself trying to make a good impression on these, you know, first – contact you know with this person or with this recruiter and um and it can be either a good thing because maybe it is you and you're being transparent you're being real to the recruiter but also it can be kind of difficult because if you're just trying to sugarcoat and like trying to just make yourself stand out but maybe there's certain things that are not really true but you're just trying to make a good impression that can be kind of difficult you know and maybe some of the reasons why a recruiter won't call you back is, is because maybe they caught up with that they they're how do you say they're kind of caught on to it they maybe caught on to it yeah and they know that maybe you're exaggerating or you're lying in your resume or maybe they they it, it's not really what they're looking for um, so that can definitely be pretty tough for us because we thought we had something going and then we, it just basically, they cut us off and they're like, yep, nope. So that's why it can be a hit or miss if you're going, if you're, when you send out your resume and your cover letter, cause it's kind of like a blind date, right? So I really, I agree with that one. Do you agree with that one, Zach? Yeah, I agree for sure. hundred percent. And, um, yeah, so that one is a pretty relevant one that we, we a lot of people see. The second one. Do um, you want to share a little bit about the about point two, Zach? Um, why, why, you've been, why you've been on the, off the market for so long? Yeah, so it's like, you know what I'm saying? And you know what it means, right? Yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. Okay. So, so in the job world, being off the market for, for a while is kind of, difficult because you're trying to figure out like why does no one like me or or you get these thoughts of people not liking you or these little insecurities things pop up like i've been i've been on off mark you know i've been out of you know work for a while and it seems to be 
um, something that has been like, like manifest in your head essentially. So at the end of the, the day, you start to doubt yourself when it comes to, uh, you know, like what, what can you do or what you're doing wrong and you keep over analyzing these things. Most people do. So when I get into an interview or they talk to a recruiter, they just start saying things or they talk like uh, circles because they, they kind of just feel lost because they don't know what they're doing wrong. They, they sometimes aren't able to just focus um, after so many, uh, you know, months or maybe like a year out of, out of, you know, being on the market or, you know, that kind of setting, uh, it, it becomes difficult, but also a way you can kind of reorient yourself is take a break. Sometimes you just need to take a break, uh, take a, take a breather. That's one of the things that really helps you kind of refocus. Uh, I know that's hard because sometimes money and different things come into play. You can't like not be, you know, invested in it, but things become uh, more clear when sometimes you just step back and like, Analyze like, well, what do I want? What am I looking for in a job? Uh, and those types of things become clear, like I said, as well as like oftentimes when people were dating, sometimes you just need to take it, take a break from things and just sit back, relax, and, and not actively looking. Because sometimes you're actively looking, you come off as desperate, as well as like in the job, the job market. That 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 happens. That happened to one of my interviews. I kind of almost outright said like. I was talking to a big firm and they were, it was probably a big red flag. And I was in the middle of a week of like 10 interviews. I'm like, to be honest, if you give me an offer today, I will sign it. And that like screamed desperation. But the reason, like, I was like, you're like one of my dream companies. Like it wouldn't take much to sign. And I think that's kind of what I was saying, but the way I said it was like, I came off as desperate and people could tell it could be desperate. And that probably cost me, moving forward and maybe a process. Uh, so then the next topic, the next kind of bold of, uh, I'm not like most people. I swear that, that that's always an interesting thing. Like, Hey, like how do you differentiate yourself or how do you not get like kind of cast into a certain role? Um, of like seeing this type of person 12 times or a hundred times or a thousand times, uh, is difficult, um, to get out of one, the, recruiter's mindset as well as yours. So do you have any kind of experiences with recruiters on the selection process, Beverly, where, you know, maybe the recruiter has maybe cast you into a certain like group, maybe, or maybe you're just kind of overthinking. I'm just kind of curious. Yeah, I think, um, I think with the, when you, when you say like, okay, so it kind of goes back like for a cover letter, for the cover letter, that's where you try to make yourself stand out. And I like I tried to put a lot of um, a lot of work into that just because I want to be able to really share with the recruiter who I am and what I can offer, and um, I'm not just like another candidate that's just um, trying to get this job, but I really want to be able to share with them that I am passionate, that I am. I think also something that you mentioned about like being desperate, being desperate and being passionate can sometimes get confused if you don't use the right words you know in in your interview or in your cover letter because you know recruiters really want someone that is passionate because passionate can like can be so um 
can can uh, can can be more lasting, you know, than than somebody that's maybe just skilled. Um, but yeah, we, when you you want to be able to come off as different, as unique, that you can be a good asset to this company, not just like everybody else that's applying, but you also want to be able to really, um, you know, show them that you are not only able and capable of doing the job that's um, on the job description, but also that you're capable of maybe engaging with the team in a way that it's going to be uh, more like better or more positive for the the whole team. So um, yeah, so this kind of I want to move on a little bit more to number four. So so uh, earlier I talked about getting ghosted, you know, when it comes to dating. And I think getting ghosted when it comes to, you know, um, when you're applying to a job, I feel like that can also, you know, depending on where you're at in life, and if you care more about your, you know, you as a professional than you as a, you know, finding your soulmate or whoever, you know, you're trying to be Mm -hmm. in, you know, um, you know, it can really break you and, you know, depending on where your mind is at or your heart is at and, Let's say you've been interviewing with the company for two months and they're telling you, yeah, like you're still good. We're just taking a long time because you're an early candidate or we're just taking our time just because we really want to select someone that can, you know, really be a great asset to our team. But then they're also telling you, but don't worry, you're a great candidate. Like, you know, stay positive. Like, we'll, we'll, we'll get back to you. And they're just like hyping you up and they're like boosting your confidence and they're kind of making you feel like you're in, like you're going to get it. But then you don't hear back from them. You email them, you keep sending these follow-up emails and you don't hear back. You don't hear back. And then at the end, they literally leave you with just an email saying, thank you for applying to blah, blah, blah. We moved on to other candidates and, you know, it sucks. It really sucks because you were so invested in this position. You were so invested. You were already calling the recruiter by their first name and telling your friends and family that that this recruiter was like, you know, like your your best friend and you were going to invite them to yeah. your wedding. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, yeah, like, I, I've... I've been in that situation for sure. Yeah, that's, that's, it's been difficult. Some bigger companies have, have come out. I do with the smaller ones, you know. I've had recruiters, you know, I don't want to say leave me alone, but that's kind of how it feels sometimes where it's like. Yeah, Zach, so that's a really good point that you mentioned that. Um, yeah, because sometimes you invest yourself, you know, you, you invest yourself so much into maybe like these 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 for these companies or this person that you're like wow like that's the person that I'm trying to go for that's the company that I'm trying to go for and they paid attention to me they actually like me and then you're just like trying you know your best to continue to impress them and try to let them know that you're still there that you're still interested but then they just ghost you and then you don't hear back from them or you hear back from them and it's just a text saying I'm sorry but I'm not looking for a relationship. <laughs> and then they just like, you know, end it there with a text, not even a call, just a text. And, you know, sometimes that email really sucks and really hurts and you're just like feeling super down. But, you know, sometimes that's how it is. But um, this kind of leads to the fifth point that is, are you seeing somebody else? So sometimes you do get a call from a recruiter if they are actually, 
you know, if they actually have time, because that's something that we're going to talk about a little bit later. But if this recruiter actually has time and is actually um, able to give you a call and tell you in person why they didn't get back to you or why they um, decided to move to another candidate, you know, they explain to you like, hey, we maybe hire somebody else with more experience, maybe hire somebody else because their location fit better or whatever it is. Um, and, and, and you feel you feel that you were like, wow, you were talking to me and you were talking to somebody else and you were, yes, giving, yes, them, yes. <laughs> you were mm-hmm. giving them the same, you know, the same thing. You were telling them that they were great candidates and, you know, and, and you were telling me the same thing. So sometimes, you know, it feels like you're being cheated on because they're having those really, you know, personal conversations with each other while they were giving your, they were, you know, they were giving you hopes that you were going to get a second date. And at the end of the day, yeah, it just stopped you. Yeah, <laughs> so mm-hmm. yeah it, for sure. It definitely, it definitely hits home because that's definitely like, oh, I've had several situations that think something like that has happened. And when I've applied to, um, you know, two positions and, and I get, I make it to the final interview and then it's like, oh yeah, we went for somebody else because they have more experience but then they were making me feel like I had really good experience. But, you know, mm-hmm. that's, that happens more than, you know, what we would want for it to happen. Um, and then it makes us think, you, I think you mentioned this a little earlier, Zach, how sometimes it makes us think that we said something or maybe our body language was a little off or that it was our fault why we didn't get that position or why we didn't get that second date. And then we start to overthink and overanalyze yeah, very our true. communication skills or our our behavior. If, if, yes. if it was something, if it was something that we did, you know, in that first day or in that first interaction, and um, and we start to overthink ourselves and say like, "Wow, maybe I'm not good enough. Maybe I'm not skilled enough. Or maybe I messed up. What if I did this? What if I did that? I could have done things differently." And you start to basically destroy yourself with all of this, um, you know, overthinking and. Uh, it's it, it can definitely break you if you keep that mentality and keep doing that to yourself because maybe at the end of the day it's not even your fault it's just because yeah. they wanted they, or they needed somebody else with with a different skill set right so I'm gonna elaborate a little bit more was it something I said or was it something I didn't say this is always difficult because when you're talking to recruiters you're talking to a whole bunch of other people within the organization as you're interviewing up. Through the organization, uh, some some jobs want that. Uh, you always are going to want, like you always say, you're always talking, you're always having conversations. And when you've had multiple interviews, say even in a day, in a week, in a month, um, you, you start to overanalyze this point. This is like the biggest point. At least I overanalyze, um, especially after I get that no or you know the corporate speak, the starting with a different candidate email, or maybe a recruiter will call you. And that's actually more rare than I think. I actually respect when a company will have a recruiter call. Um, but for me, I feel as if like this one, the, was it something I didn't say? Uh, interviewing as an analyst is becomes difficult because you'll talk sometimes if you have someone who understands the analytical side, um, like, 
really kind of telling them like what you know and how you how you can do it in different formats, whether it's you know an Excel visualization or Tableau or if, you know if you're doing R or whatever it may be, um, letting them know what your skill level is because I think um, you'll apply. Sometimes the job is like, hey, we're just kind of incorporating this stuff. Sometimes it's like, oh no, like we need someone who's straight up computer scientist who can do all the maintenance and everything else. Um, but I get, always get hung up on like, was there something I could have done differently? And it kind of sits in the back of your mind. Um, but there is hope, uh, the quickest way of getting kind of out of this, um, uh, like this, this funk, I guess, getting to where you want to be is, is also taking your time. Yeah. Um, not just like applying for just every job under the sun, so that just kind of prolongs you just getting more and more no's. Sometimes you're overqualified. Sometimes you're underqualified. I've applied for jobs that were entry-level. I was probably overqualified, and they don't think they can take me. As well as there's ones I applied for where I'm like, I'm kind of like borderline. If I get a no, it was more of like, hey, I want to work for that company. Not necessarily like I could have done 100% of every job function. Also, recruiters get hung up on like, hey, we need someone who can do every single thing that's listed on yeah. The job description is like, mm-hmm. but you guys have 500 things listed and no one can like personally do all that. Like, yeah, you want someone who hits the highlights. Um, and as applying, you should like also understand like, what are the, what do they actually need in this organization? Uh, and how you get there is also like having a really good resume, working on interview skills, um, being kind of cautious and conscious of what you're actually sending and saying to the recruiters. Um, because sometimes, like you want, you always want to be formal, but sometimes you can go into this informal speak as you're like talking. You've talked multiple times, and it can kind of get friendly. Um, and maybe sometimes you said say something, and you just think of like don't think of it in the moment, you know. Uh, but that, but taking your time is really important. Kind of gauging, like, well, is this actually the right fit? Opposed to, hey, I'm just gonna apply and hope for the best, because then you'll end up like a hundred no's and maybe two interviews if you're kind of trying to play the numbers game. And a lot of people try to do this with the, the Twitter, the Twitter or not Twitter, but Tinder and the, all the other apps, they swipe right and all those kind of things. Um, which, which help, I think, uh, I'm not, I mean, they're a useful tool, but if you're just going through and looking at, you know, a hundred profiles a day, not enough find like something meaningful <laughs> and just, and also people are too picky on both sides. Like employees want to be paid a hundred thousand dollars a year for an entry level job. And recruiters also on the other side are like, well, I like, I, I want the best candidate for minimum yeah. wage and trying to be in the middle. And it just, it doesn't, it doesn't work sometimes. And sometimes it's not a fit. Yeah. That's, yes. that's so funny that you mentioned that because about the swiping, right? Like, um you get like really picky with that and then like there's people that say like oh yeah I want somebody that has blue eyes and then it's just like swipe 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 all the brown eyes and then it's like okay he's blue and then it's like okay and then you swipe right and then it's like it can get and you get to that point because if you have so many like if you have all, like a plethora of profiles in front of you you're gonna be picky you're gonna pick the one that you want and and sometimes for 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 recruiters when they're doing the, the you know the their selection they're going through like hundreds sometimes hundreds of applicants and it's okay for them to be picky because they want to pick the the best candidate right so it's just like it's it's funny that you mentioned that because 
you know, from the outside perspective, or actually from being in the candidate's perspective, it's like, what the heck? Like, I thought I was a good candidate, but then there's like somebody else that has like 20 more of the skills that they're looking for in their job description, and I don't have that. I'm lacking that. So they're going to pick the one that has the 20 more skill sets that I don't have. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's like, now that you, now that I see it in the perspective of the recruiter, it makes sense. And it is okay for them to be picky because they want the best person for their position. So, you know, it, it makes sense, but it just sucks as a person that's, that's doing the, that's um, doing the, ap- the applications because we, we want to get hired. Right. But yeah, it's okay for the recruiter to be picky because they're picking the best, right? It's not that we're not the best, but it's just that <laughs> it's, not, it's not that we aren't good or qualified. It's just that there's other people that have more of the skills that they're looking for, if that makes sense. So I'm glad you brought that up, Zach, because that's, that's really, um, it's really important to be able to see both perspectives in this point, because I feel like it can give us a little bit more understanding of why they do those things and why they sometimes pick other people besides mm-hmm. us, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's interesting for sure. Uh, I know that there's, like, the big difference, obviously, is, like, a lot of employers now and recruiters, like, it's like a 12-step process. It's like you apply for the application, you, you, you have to go through. Yeah, I agree, Zach. And, and, you know, sometimes this leading, this leads to our point eight. um, And it talks about how we have to be able to show our skills. Um, We have to be able to vocalize and, and, and share and put a lot of emphasis on the skills that they're specifically looking for. And, and quote unquote, show off during their interview, we want to be able to, um, you know, every every interview that we have, we have to make it the best interview. So we're able to really show them that we can do it. Why they need to pick us? Why we need to go on a second date? Why I'm the best person for them? Because you know, you have to be a little bit. You have to be really confident. You want to be able to come off confident, not cocky, where you think you're the best and you're the only one that they can choose. But as a person that has confidence, as a person that they know who they are, they know what they're, what they're, what they can offer. So you want to be able to show that every step, not just until the final interview, if you get there, um, but every step, everything from the from the resume to the cover letter to the phone interview, all the way to the first, second, or third interview, you want to be able to kill it every step of the way, uh, because you want to ju- you don't want to just tell them, but you want to show them. You want to be able to you know, do good on these assessments that they send you. You want to be able to show really good body language when you're interviewing in person. You want to be able to use the right verbiage, use the right vocabulary that maybe it's on the job description. So you want to know that you want to let them know that you've done your research, that you have been able to, um, you know, that you're really prepared for this interview and that you know what you want. So that's really important. So um, so now, right now, we want to move on to the last two um, points of these 10 reasons why recruitment is like dating. So um, it is time, time to meet the parents, you know, it's time to meet the parents, it's time to make it official, where we're going to go and have that big interview, we're going to go there, we finally made it to this point, and we want to be able to kill it, you know, like I mentioned right now, like a little bit before, like I mentioned 
in the point before. We want to be able to kill it since the beginning. Okay, we want to make a good impressions at the beginning. So when we get to that big interview, they already know who we are. They already know what we can offer. And they just want to be able to give you the space, either if it's in an office with a panel or if it's in, uh, if it's virtual. They, you, sometimes you have a panel. So they want to be able to show you off to the rest of the team so you can show the rest of the team who you are. And they're able to see it with their own eyes, not just by what... Uh, you know, the hiring manager sees, you know what I mean? So you want to be able to kill it there. So when you kill it there, let's say you do amazing, you want to be able to seal the deal. So now they're, let's say they, they offer you, they offer you the position. What are you going to do with it? Are you going to seal the deal? Are you going to say, all right, I'm going to commit to you. I want you now. Now it's your turn to be picky. Now it's your turn. Let's say you have multiple offers, not just this one. Who are you going to choose? Are you going to choose the best person that fits you? Or are you you going to pick the one that pays more? It just depends. This is something that's personal. Whatever is more valuable to you, you're going to go for that. So this is where it's your turn now to pick which one is the best for you. So um, these are the 10 reasons. Um, We really hope that you're able to understand them, that you're able to maybe to relate to them. And if you are, we really want to hear back from you. And let us know what you... um, how you feel about these 10 reasons. So um, something that we wanted to talk about talk about to finish is that we really wanted to, um, to talk about the recruiter's perspective of this. And I did have a conversation with the recruiter. She's a full-time recruiter. And um, these are some things that she does struggle with sometimes that, you know, sometimes she has to say no to people because she has to go for the other candidate that's more qualified. Um, and a lot of these things, yeah, she says that they're really tough. It's really tough for her to, to you know, to have to deny or have to send a rejection letter for someone that was a really good candidate and that they interviewed really well, but that maybe the rest of the team wanted to go for somebody else. So that recruiter has to have that difficult conversation with that person to let them know that they're no longer a candidate or that they have moved on to other candidates. Um, sometimes it can be just an automatic email that is sent out, or sometimes they even take the time to call the candidate, which is something that I do really appreciate it when they do that. But something that I also wanted to mention is that, um, that recruiters sometimes are really busy and don't have time to have those phone calls. So imagine calling back 100 candidates that they did not make the cut and that unfortunately they have to move, that they're moving on to other candidates and that they're no longer a candidate for the position. So that would take a long time and that can, that can be between a one minute to a 10 minute, maybe sometimes longer conversation, depending on the candidate. Maybe, you know, not not all candidates are going to take things lightly or lightly. They're going to be upset and they're going to be angry. And maybe some of them can, can, um, can be a little rude to the recruiter and try to ask for an explanation why they didn't get, you know, the position. And this happens, you know, sometimes you do get mad. Sometimes you do go off on that date that you thought they were going to be your next, you know, relationship. But then they just, 
say no through a text or through a quick phone call and you're like wait a minute no 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 let me call you back and I want you to explain to me why you know so there's many reasons there's many reactions um and everybody's different so so a recruiter needs to be uh needs to uh think about what is the best way for them to exit this process and the best way for them to move on to the next candidate and also, we want to be able to be aware that, um, that yeah, recruiters are really busy and they're going to be selecting the best person for this job and for this company, someone with the same values, this, the, with similar passions and just um, things that are basically aligned. Even if there's one thing that's not aligned, the recruiters are going to pick the one that has the best alignment with the company. So that is something that we need to keep in mind as we're interviewing and as we are, you know, talking to these recruiters and just to be mindful of their hard work and what they're doing and what they experience on a daily basis and just being understanding as a candidate that we need to move on. <laughs> so we really hope that you were able to understand these 10 reasons. You were able to understand the perspective of the candidate and of the recruiter and the reasons why they make the decisions that they make. And how we need to move on past the rejection letters and move on and, and be, you know, continue to be encouraged and positive and just continue to put yourself out there where you're going to be, uh, where you're going to be seen and you're going to be um, able to show off who you are really and be transparent with these recruiters and really be able to, um, to apply to those positions that you see that are for you. Um, you don't want to waste their time and you don't want them to waste your time. So you want to be as mindful and as intentional when you when it comes to applying and when it comes to um, interviewing. So if you see something that maybe it's not for you, tell the recruiter and tell them, hey, you know what? I'm no longer interested. There's certain things that I've noticed that I feel like they're not aligned with my values or with my passions and just cut it there. You know, being real and transparent is really important and it's definitely a... Um, time saver and you're able to just put it out there and move on so this was today's podcast guys and we really hope that you're able to get something from this and you're able to find a little bit of humor in the today's episode just because this is a topic that can be you know kind of harsh um, we don't want to be bashing the recruiters um, recruiters do amazing and they're hard workers uh, but you also we also want you know recruiters to understand our perspective as people that are applying and that are interviewing just because we our feelings also get hurt when we just get an email sent out when we have been invested in this position for a while or when we get our hopes up when you constantly keep telling us that you're a great candidate but then at the end of the day they go for somebody else so just you know we really wanted to put a lot of clarity in why we're, we, why we're doing this topic and why it is important to understand both parties so we hope to hear from you in our in the comment section and you, maybe you can email us and send us some feedback about what you thought of today's episode so we thank you so much for joining us for another divergent io podcast and we really hope that we hear from you in our in our emails in our dms and um that we're able to get more ideas from you what we can speak of in the next episodes so we thank you so much and we hope you have a great day a great night a great um rest of your week and a great weekend so we hope to see you next week bye